back to this song, we'll have the uh, scripture reading of prayer. In heavenly armor we'll enter the land, the battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand, the battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. When the power of darkness comes in like a flood, the battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of his blood, the battle belongs to Scripture reading this morning is Romans 11 through 17. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over these branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. Please stand for prayer. Good morning, church. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, oh my, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you so much for the, the blessing of just, just the blessing of life, just being here in your beautiful creation and help us to slow down and see it. And thank you so much. I, I know it's early, but the, the semblance of the idea of spring is right around the corner and we're starting to feel it in the air and see it all around us and I know my how that how that reminds me and how that reminds us of uh, new life and new birth and all the good that is rejuvenated in us and I just want to give you so much thanks for that and so much all the little things that you show to me every day to rejuvenate us when we get uh, 
a little bit down or a little bit behind or a little bit looking in the wrong way. Dear God, I just ask us to ask you to go with us uh, in life in this week, everything we do. Please help us to love you more and let your light be seen in us in the way we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
morning. I'm going to do a little reading from uh, Numbers chapter 22 uh, to start our communion service. <clears throat> Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in hand, he turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either turn to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed down, bowed low, and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you, because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but, but I would have spared it. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you're displeased, I will go back. So I think a lot of times in life, we're a lot like Balaam, and we lose sight of the Lord. We lose sight of where he's sending us, what our path is, um, and we need him to open our eyes a little bit to, to recognize him again. So as we take this communion together, um, and we serve the bread first. We, let's take a minute. Let's, let's take our minds and focus on the Lord, what he gave us, the sacrifice he did on our behalf, and to thank him uh, for that gift. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for these people here. And we thank you for your church and your family. Uh, we thank you for um, providing Jesus as our sacrifice, Lord, as our Savior, Lord, to give us uh, a payment for our sins, Lord, um, for all time. We thank you for his blood and his body. In his name we pray. Amen.
Let's give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Lord, we come to you again, and we thank you um, for this fruit of the vine, Lord. We thank you that it represents uh, Jesus' blood, Lord, that was spilled on our behalf. We thank you for the power that it held to forgive us, Lord, and to save us. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. up and then we'll sing um, Greatest Commands after this song. <clears throat> after this song, we'll also sing the song to uh, send the kids off the children's class.
Good morning, sunshine. I am glad to be able to be speaking again today. I appreciate the opportunity that I've been given. You'll notice it's part two this morning. Uh, last week I talked about getting to know God, who is this God, and uh, we're going to be talking about the same thing today. You might wonder why I teach and speak a lot from the Old Testament. You might wonder why I talk so much about getting to know God. I think in this world today, we talk a lot about Jesus. We talk a lot about Jesus, and Jesus is God. We talked about all that Jesus does. But the Old Testament is where we learn about God himself, about what he thinks, about what he feels, about he wants what he wants us to do, about how he feels about us. So excuse me if I talk more about the Old Testament than uh, maybe some other people do, but I think it's important that we talk about God specifically. So how does God look at us? In scripture reading, the Romans 11, 17 through 20, it talks about the tree, the branches being broken off for the tree. True Israel is represented sometimes by an olive tree, sometimes by a vine. Now, true Israel is not 
national Israel or the nation of Israel. There's a separation there. True Israel in the Bible is the people that believe in God, the people that obey Jesus, that, that have accepted Jesus. So those of the nation of Israel that accepted Jesus are part of this tree, this olive tree or, or vine that we're talking about. If we are in Christ, if we've accepted Christ, if we have been born again into Christ, we are the true Israel. So how does God deal with the true Israel? So last week, we talked about who is this God. We said God is. He is. God is always there. He is, he was, and he is to come. Another characteristic of God is he is loving. His love exceeds anything that we can imagine. He gave his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, that, that we could have salvation. He is patient, and that's one thing we're going to see a lot today. God's patience leads us to always be better. God was very patient with his people Israel in the Old Testament. God was patient with them. He, he kept forgiving. He kept pulling them back. He kept trying to bring them into him. And that's what God does with us. He's always patient with us, wanting us to be better, wanting us to be part of him. God is a knowing God. He knows our heart. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what's inside us. And he knew what was inside Israel. And the last thing we talked about last week is that he is a guide. He is a guide to us in our lives. He was a guide to Israel in a very real way in their trip, in their journey from Egypt into the promised land. And that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. But first, we're going to read a couple verses from the New Testament. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. John is talking about remaining in me, remaining in Christ. Jesus is saying here, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you remain in Christ, you are part of the vine. You are a branch that's on the vine that is the true Israel. On the vine, you bear fruit. On the vine, you, you, you can take that nourishing sap, that nourishing uh, knowledge that comes from being in Jesus. Jesus' words are in us. Jesus is in us. Jesus' words is in us, as long as we're obedient. But then he also says, apart from me or out of Christ, you can do nothing. You wither and die. You do not bear fruit if you're not a part of the vine, if you're not part of the true Israel. And then our scripture reading from this morning 
If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in that nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. Paul continues this analogy when he's talking about the vine and the branches. Uh, the true Israel, Christ, is the trunk. The original branches, or the natural branches, were the Israelites that accepted Christ. Those are the natural branches that are still part of the trunk, part of that uh, true Israel. Just the Israelites that accepted Christ, that, that came over and believed in him. The wild branches were the Gentiles who also accepted Christ and were grafted in to that true Israel. They became part of true Israel, even though they were wild, they were the Gentiles that had not been part of Christ before. But Paul's point was that if either the natural branches or the wild branches, if either of them don't believe, then they're going to be broken off. They're not going to be part of the true Israel. God's people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is the true Israel. The Old Testament is about getting to know God, seeing God through how he dealt with people. At this point, what we're going to talk about is uh, in Deuteronomy, where Moses is passing the leadership on to Joshua. And he's basically doing a, a long remembrance of their trip from Egypt into the Promised Land. Basically, at this point, they are waiting on the banks to go into this new promised land. So these are, a lot of these are going to be in Deuteronomy. Then, this is Moses talking. Then I said to you, do not be terrified, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt. Before, you, before your very eyes and in the wilderness... There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God who went ahead of you uh, on your journey by fire at night and by cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. This is the first approach to Canaan land. This uh, Moses is recounting the first time they come up to the Jordan River and they sent spies over into the land. The, the spies looked and, and they said, oh, we, we can't take this people. These, these, there's giants there. There's Anak there. God was the guide that went before them day and night. He fought for them. And he would have fought for them if they had decided to go into the land. 
if they had decided, yes, we can follow God, we can take this land. But at this point, God said they would wander for 40 years. He said, nope, you, you decided you didn't want this, you couldn't trust me, you wouldn't, you wouldn't trust me to guide you, to fight for you. So he said, you're going to wander for 40 years. So the next thing that happens, then you replied, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight as the Lord our God commanded us. So every one of you put on your weapons, thinking it was easy to go up into the hill country. But the Lord said to me, tell them, do not go up and fight because I will not be with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. So I told you, but you would not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command, and in your arrogance you marched up into the hill country. The Amorites who lived in those hills came out against you. They chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Seir all the way to Harma. God told them, you're going to wander for 40 years. And then they said, oh, we've sinned. We'll change your mind. We'll go in. And God told Moses, tell them don't do that because I've already decided. My command is you're going to wander for 40 years. I'm not going to fight for you. The people rejected that judgment. They said, we will fight. We will do it ourselves. God did not, did not fight for them, and they were defeated. We cannot do life alone. Israel could not go in and take the promised line by themselves. They had not the power to do it. The only way they could do it was with God fighting for them. We need God to fight for us, too. We need to be part of that true Israel. And God will fight for us. He will guide us. We need God to be with us. We need God to be on our side as we go through life. At this point, the people wandered for 40 years. He guided them. He was still with them in, in, throughout this time, throughout the 40 years of wilderness wanderings. Now, the next thing, this next slide that we're going to read, is this is God speaking to the children of the doubters. Now, remember, you had adults and children in Israel. I'm sorry, in Egypt. They all came out, all the, the adults and the children saw God's power, how he developed in Egypt. So the adults and the children came out. The adults rebelled. They said, we're not going to go in and take the land. So all the adults, except for a couple, died in the wilderness. Now this next slide is where they're coming up to take Canaan land the second time, now he's talking to the children that were there in Egypt that saw the plagues, that saw how God dealt with Egypt, but the adults are dead. This is the children of the adults that died in the, in the wilderness. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well that what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes 
the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. The children saw what God had did, what God had done. God is patient with his people. He was patient with the Israel all the way through the desert wanderings. He took care of them. You remember uh, all the good things he did for them while they was in, took care of them in the desert. And God was patient. And he's saying here he will fight for them and he will deliver them into the land. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to be hunger in hunger and then feeding you with the manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. The wilderness wanderings, those 40 years, is often compared to our journey through life. Uh, being at the end, going into the promised land, kind of being uh, going into heaven for us. Now, that's an analogy, and you can't take it too far. There's, it's true to a point, but there's differences too, so you can't take it too far. But in the wilderness, God led his people. He was there, again, uh, fire by night, cloud by day. He led his people. He guided them through the wilderness. He humbled them. He, he made them to depend on God. He made them so that they couldn't take care of themselves. They didn't have the food and the ability to get food while they was in this wilderness. So God fed them. Every day he gave the manna. And that was to help them understand that God supplies their needs, that God is the one that takes care of them. He wanted to find out what was in their hearts. He wanted to test their hearts. He wanted to see if they would uh, follow after him in the long term. He knew their attitude. He, he looked at their attitude. He looked at their heart. And he knows our attitude. And he knows our heart. If we compare our lives with the wilderness wanderings, God is trying to see what's in our heart, to see if we will follow him, to see if we will listen to him, see if we will obey him, see if we will trust him to, to take care of us. He knows our attitude. He trained and he disciplined them, and, and he does the same for us. He shows us the way. He disciplines us. And he loved his people in the wilderness, and he loves us. And he provides for our needs just like he provided for the needs of the Israelites in the wandering, in the wilderness. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, 
And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses warned the people about getting comfortable, about going into the land, taking over the land, building nice houses, flocks increase because God is blessing them. God is showing them the way. God is blessing their lives in this Canaan land. But he said, be careful. Because once you get comfortable, then you might become proud and not accept God the way he wants. Forgetting him and depending on self. Forgetting him and depending on possessions. And when I read this, I said, this so speaks to our lives today. At a time in our lives, we said, yes, I, I trust God. I want to I be a Christian. But sometimes, as time goes along, we get proud. We say, boy, I've got all these things. I can take care of myself. I can do it myself. Remember when they were at the first time getting ready for the first crossing, God said no, and they said, we'll strap on our, we'll strap on our, our arms and we'll, we'll go fight ourselves. What happened? God was not with them, and they did not succeed. They were trusting in self. We have got to be very careful not to trust in ourselves, not to trust in our riches, not to trust in all the blessings that God has given us. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. What, does God, what was God asking of his people? What was God asking of the true Israel? He said, well, first of all, fear the Lord your God. Now, the word fear here is not exactly what we think about fear. We think about being scared to death of something. That's not really what is meant here. What's meant here is respect and honor. To respect and honor the Lord your God. To respect that who he is, acknowledge him, and acknowledge him just being saying, I need you. I know you're there. I know that you are the one that takes care of me. And that's what he wanted from Israel. He wanted them to walk in obedience. He wanted them to do, God wanted them to do what he asked them to do. He asked them to love him, to look to him and everything he had done for them, to serve God with heart and soul, to serve him with everything they were, and to observe his commands. And the commands were not really that burdensome. In the New Testament, it talks about the, the law and how burdensome it was. 
But really, that was what the Pharisees and Sadducees had made the law. They made the law a nitpicky, legalistic thing and, and nobody, that nobody could follow. But God's people could follow the rules. God's people had the priests there to help them to know how to do the sacrifices, to teach them all the things they needed to know. God did not give them something impossible to do, just like he does not give us something impossible to do. He asked them to follow them with his heart, with their hearts, to serve him and to observe the commands they had given them. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them. He chose you, their descendants, above all the nations, as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. God loves the true Israel. God loves the people who obey him, who look to him, who love him, who keep his commands. God chose them. He chose them not because there were many people, not because they were special people. They were God's special people. They were people special to him. He chose them, and he chooses us. As the church, he chooses us as the people who have put on Christ in baptism. Moses told, tells them to circumcise their heart. Of course, they, were, they did the circumcision that was required, but they, he also said circumcise your hearts, which is exactly the same thing that's said in the New Testament of us. Circumcise your hearts. Put away, remove all sin and doubt. Take away all the evil that's there. Circumcise your hearts. And that's what he was asking the people of Israel to do. To look at their heart and to truly love him. Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God. His majesty, his mighty hand, his outstretched arm the signs he performed, and the things he did in the heart of Egypt, both to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to his whole country. What he did to the Egyptian army, to its horses and chariots, how he overwhelmed them with the waters of the Red Sea as they were pursuing you, and how the Lord brought lasting ruin to them. Okay, remember again that the adults and the children came out of Egypt. They, The adults and the children saw the miracles of God, the plagues, and all that he did to Egypt. The adults died in the wilderness. Moses is now talking to the children who also came up out of Egypt, who also saw the, the, the miracles, the plagues. But when he says, remember today that your children were not the ones who saw this and experienced this, He's talking now about the children of the children that came out of Israel. They had not seen God's hand on Egypt. What had they seen? They had seen God's care for them in the wilderness. They didn't see the plagues, but they did see God taking care of them. 
And what he's saying to them is, let the children, teach your children, teach your children what they need to know. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land of the Lord swore to give to your ancestors as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. So we see the, the, the signs that we put up here, and it's the same thing. Plant these words, plant these stories. He's telling them, plant them in your heart. Plant them right in front of you all the time. Teach your children what I've taught you. Teach your children what God has taught you, what you've seen. And make them a part of your lives. Make what I've done and make my words a part of your life. The children will see God deliver Israel into Canaan. They saw what was happening in the, in the wilderness. They saw God taking care of them. All they knew was manna and the quail and the things that God had provided. That's all they knew. So they knew how to depend on God. But the children would see God deliver Israel into Canaan. If you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, has, as he promised you, will put the terror and the fear of you on the whole land wherever you go. When he says here, observe the commands, what's the first thing he says? Love the Lord. If you carefully observe all the commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God. You remember how Jesus said that's the first and the most important command? Moses thought the same thing. To love the Lord your God. To walk in obedience. To walk in the way God wants us to walk. And to hold fast to God. Then he will fight for you. And he will fight for us. He will lead them. And he will lead us. He will keep his promises as he had to all of the people before that. We need to depend on God, not on self. We need to put God, the love of God, at the top of our lives, at the top of the commandments that we obey. Then he says, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way. 
that I commanded you today by following other gods which you have not known. We choose how to respond. Just like Israel, Moses was telling Israel, you can decide how you respond. And depending on how you respond, you'll either have blessings or curses. Blessings if you follow God. If you do not follow God, and he particularly adds here and here, follow other gods, then you won't have those blessings. You'll have curses instead. Now, when he was telling them that they were going, that they, they would possibly be following other gods, those were physical gods. Those were the gods that, that, that were in the, the Canaan land that they were going into. Today, we have false gods, too. We look at other things in our lives and put other things first in our lives. Those are the false gods we tend to go after, whether it be money, whether it be uh, depending on self. There's all kinds of other things that we follow after that, that go in the same direction. God wants us to follow him. Now coming all the way back to where we started. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't, do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus, God, true Israel is the trunk. As long as we accept God, we keep him at the top of our lives, loving him being the number one thing, then we're going to be part. We're going to be those branches that are grafted in. But God always gives us the choice. I mean, it's up to us individually. We can be in Christ. We can accept Christ. We can, we can choose to be those branches that are grafted in, or we can choose not to be. God gives us the choice. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in that nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. People who believe and obey in the Old Testament and in the New Testament are the true Israel. Now, again, I'm not talking about nation Israel. I'm talking about true Israel. I'm talking about God's church. We choose to be part of the true Israel. We choose whether we're going to be part of the church or not. That's our choice. God wants us to follow his leadership. God wants us to follow him 
through this life that we call life. He wants us to believe he is. That he is today, that he was yesterday, and he will be forever. He wants us to believe that. He wants us to love him above all others. To love him to the exclusion of everything else. God wants us to love him above all. God asks the true Israel to obey. God asks the true Israel to come to him. And he says, it's your choice. It's your choice. This morning, you have the choice. Many of you have already made that choice. Many have chosen to be part of the olive tree, those branches that are grafted in. Some here may not have chosen that yet. We would invite you to come and be part, be grafted in to that trunk, be grafted in to that true Israel. If there are those here who had once believed, who had, had, had been grafted in, and who have fallen away, who have gotten broken off from, from that nourishing sap of the vine, you also can come and, and the elders will pray with you. We'll all pray with you. So if you have any need, if you need to put on Christ or if you need to come back to Christ, we ask you to come now as we stand and sing. Walking in sunlight all of my journey Over the mountains, through the deep veil Jesus has said, I'll never forsake thee Good to see you all here this morning.
you're visiting with us, we're awful glad you're here. We uh, invite you back anytime you have a chance to be with us. If you're watching online, we're also glad that you joined us this morning. Uh, hopefully you received a bulletin. I will uh, mention a few things here. Uh, give you some, a few updates on our prayer concerns here this morning. Uh, Roger Cooper's having some back issues. He's, uh, he's down in his back. Pretty, pretty serious. He had to be taken uh, by a squad, I guess, uh, recently. So remember to keep Roger in your prayers as he uh, is dealing with that. Uh, continue to pray for Clyde and Penny. Uh, uh, continue to. Uh, Clyde is in uh, room 74 at Best Care. So if you have a chance to see Clyde or send him a card, I know they would appreciate that. So yeah, I was looking for that. But room 74. So remember Clyde in your prayers. And Greg Farrell. Uh, Greg's still having a pretty rough time. He, uh, I saw that he's got pneumonia again. So remember Greg and his family. And uh, uh, Bill Gammon, this is Price's dad. I guess he was admitted in the hospital with pneumonia. How, how's he doing, Price? About the same? About the same. Okay, well, keep Bill Gammon in your prayers as uh, he's dealing with that uh, situation there. And AFib as well, so. Uh, PJ Louder, he has a date for his open heart surgery. It's March the 11th at Riverside. So PJ will be praying that that all goes well and a successful surgery there. I know you've been through a lot just to get to this point. So, so we'll be praying for you there. And continue to pray for uh, Teresa Hayward as she continues her treatments as well. And uh, it all will go well there for her and her family. And all those on the list there, uh, take a look at that. And Sharon Howell's back with us this morning. Uh, she got some good news that everything, all of her tests came back good, and for now she don't have to have any, any other treatments, so we're thankful for that. So uh, thank God for that. And, uh, and her husband Dave had surgery on his foot recently too, so he's home recuperating from that. So is there any other prayer updates we know about, anything we need to mention? Before I forget, I just want to thank you all for prayers on my behalf. I'm doing a lot better. So it's nice to know that when you're going through something that you got brothers and sisters praying for you so that's that's just a nice thing to have so thank you for that uh, next Sunday is the deacon's breakfast uh, March the 3rd so remember that be here for that starting at 9 15 uh, winter jam concert March 24th is it too late for that okay still possible to go to that might not get the discount Easter egg hunts here March the 30th at 11, I know they're probably needing candy and individual wrapped candies and all that. Uh, the lady sun, lady, the Sunshine Ladies Tea is uh, April 13th at 1 o'clock here at the building. There's a note in the bulletin about that, how you can participate in that. Uh, VBS will be here for you know. It's June the 17th through the 21st, and church camp is July 7th through the 12th. So mark your calendar for those upcoming events as well. Uh, Sunday, March 10th, we'll be having a, a, a the facilities director from uh, uh, Howes Mill be here to give us an update. So make sure you're here to see what's going on there at camp. And, I, uh, and also, Greg Farrell's having his 50th birthday, and there's his address is in there for the, at the Rosemount Pavilion. They'd like to give him a card shower, so I know he'd appreciate that. He really likes seeing those cards. So if you can, send Greg a birthday card, too. And before I forget, Amelia Rose Deacon made her first appearance here, I do believe, this morning. She is probably back in class, so if you get a chance, you can meet her and, and say hello to her, too. So that's, that's good, too. Is there anything else that needs to be mentioned this morning? 
I want to thank Nick for leading us in worship this morning, for Dave for a very good lesson. I appreciate that, Dave. And you got me thinking of a parallel, I guess you might call it a parallel passage, but uh, in the New Testament, there's a passage there that I've always liked. I've heard this preached on probably as many times as you all have, but to me this is, this is a really good passage because it's basically the, the gospel. It's the parable of the great banquet in Matthew. I'm going to read that, and then we'll stand and be dismissed. It says, Jesus spoke to them again in parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. But the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite, and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. That's us. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him in outer darkness, outside into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. You know, the king represents God, and, and the invitation is, is God's invitation to us. And initially it was to Israel, and they... they didn't want anything to do with him. So then the invitation went out to everybody, the Gentiles, all of us. And so you get to the wedding hall, and you've got a crowd of people there. But this one guy is sitting there, and he don't have a wedding garment on. And evidently, the tradition at the time was you, you came to a wedding, and you were dressed in a wedding garment. And I don't think for one minute this guy was ignorant of that. It was part of their tradition, part of their society. I'm sure he'd probably been to a wedding before. But for some reason, it doesn't tell us, he basically refused it was his own free will to show up, which was good that he did, because you know, the first guests, they didn't want anything to do with it. They were busy. But this guy, he at least took the initiative to show up. He saw that there was something important to be part of this uh, fellowship. But for some reason, he wasn't all in. He didn't take on himself. He didn't put the wedding garment on. I don't know what the explanation was, but for some reason, he just wasn't ready to fully commit to, to me, that's a parallel to us, as Dave was bringing out, uh, as the tree and the branches. You know, we need to be fully committed to Christ. We need to fully be clothed with Christ. We know initial obedience to the gospel is what that uh, paints a picture of, but it's more than just that to me. It's that daily walk. That's that lifelong uh, submission to be part of the great banquet in this life and the life to come. So something to think about. So if you would, stand with me. And uh, we'll have a word of prayer, and I hope you enjoy your afternoon with family and friends. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the great invitation that you've invited us all to, Lord, to your wedding banquet, Lord. And we know that that's uh, symbolism of being part of your family, as Dave so well brought out this morning, Lord, to be part of your church, your family, Lord, uh, the true Israel, as was uh, described this morning, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would uh, want to be a part of that great banquet, a part of that uh, family, Lord, and not just be observers, 
but be fully in, fully committed to jump in with both feet, Lord, to be clothed with Christ and put you on in our walk with you each and every day, Lord, that we would think serious about our relationship with you. Help us just to grow closer to you each day, to love you more and more each day, and to love each other. Lord, we pray for all those on our prayer list, ones we mentioned here and others we know about. Pray that you put your healing hand on them and the ones you've healed, Lord, and brought back to us. We just thank you for answered prayers. You are the great physician, Lord, and we give you all the praise and honor and glory. Lord, we ask you to forgive us when we fall short. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that we do sin and we fall short often, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for your patience with us. Help us just do better each day than we did the prior day, Lord. Lord, we thank you most of all for Jesus, who... Uh, who loved us so much that he willingly gave his life on the cross. Lord, we thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection, the forgiveness of sins that are washed away by his blood through your grace and your mercy, Lord, and for the empty tomb, Lord, and we know that he promises we will raise from the dead too. Lord, we just thank you for that good news. Help us to share it each day in the things we say and do, but just to live it out, Lord. Go with us this day, and we thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.